Hello and welcome to Rule of Carnage, a YouTube video or a podcast for your ears, uh, coming to you from the uh, houses of Glenn Ford, a games designer uh, and developer, and me, Mike Hutchinson, also a games designer and developer. We make miniature games, uh, mostly. Well, Glenn makes a lot of other kinds of games, but I'm obsessed with miniature games and refuse to write anything else. Uh, and we're continuing to have conversations about designing them uh, betterer and betterer. Um, Glenn, uh, uh, we've been having a continuing debate in the playtesting servers of um, Hobgoblin about one particular item called the Staff of Ruin. Uh, and the Staff of Ruin is kind of a simple item among a bunch of other magic items that are a bit more complicated. And it's quite easy to understand what it does. And it's quite easy to understand what benefit you're going to get from it. It's sort of written right there on the tin. It gives you some more magic power and gives you a free wizard um and wizards cost points and so we know exactly how much that wizard costs and there's been a lot of people wondering like how come this broken item is allowed in the game like it's obviously the best um and so on and so forth um and you've been trying different ways of saying ah but maybe some other things in the game have got much more powerful game changing effects but they're more emergent and less obvious on the surface um and maybe this other item that you think is really strong, like only applies in a couple of circumstances. And so the circumstantialness of it, or the fact that you have to play quite hard to generate this, the scenario, the context in which it will benefit should 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 be calculated into its value. Mm. Um, and then Glenn, you were telling me you you encountered um, a, a quantumization of this, a yeah. standardized unit of whatever this is. <laughs> yeah. So so a few times we've sort of had conversation about this building and I keep trying to refer to the like pricing and the piloting of, of an item. And I was reading um the the transcript of the excellent uh game tech uh podcast by uh, Jeffrey Engelstein and now that's the sort of it's a podcast about the mathematics of game design and it's more generally um sort of board games and things of that nature but he's he's a brilliant at what he does and it's come out as books as well and one of the podcast episodes in this book was talking about a concept from uh marketing which they they refer to as pricing for utils uh so where a util is a unit of utility and and the the, the sort of um, the example that we'll all probably be familiar with is that you walk into a supermarket and like right next to the door or within sight of the door, there'll be a, a cooler cabinet and it'll have a bottle of soda in it that will be a small portion um, and it'll be nicely chilled. And then if you walk to the back of that given supermarket, you will find the exact same soda of the exact same brand on a shelf warm in like a two or three litre bottle that will cost less than the lovely bottle that's in the chili cabinet because the small bottle has been priced for the utils that it offers you. You don't want to walk down the road swigging out of a three litre bottle of, you know, Coke. And you also don't want to, you know, on a hot day be drinking room temperature sugar water. You know, it's like, I want this thing in order to quench my first now. So that thing, even though it's cheaper, you know, sometimes like 10 times cheaper, it's literally useless to me. I'm mm. not willing to pay for the total lack of utility it offers me. Um, and what um, what he's saying in game tech is like, when you're 
pricing and ability, and he's talking about it more in, in board games, but I think it totally relates. Yeah. When you're pricing utility, uh, it, when you're pricing an ability, you need to think about the utils of that ability, given the sort of average place that the average player is going to be in, in the average game. And, you know, for me, that sort of, that speaks to that idea of trying to sort of get across with the idea of looking into the utils of a given item is where you look at how it needs to be piloted to be utilized um and therefore weighting the pricing of it and and yeah i think that so the staff of ruin in um in hobgoblin basically gives you a free wizard keyword and then it gives you an additional extra bit of wizardiness that is almost like a sort of extra half wizard so it's really clearly priced in this thing yeah because a wizard a wizard costs some points in a list so you might have a three thousand three thousand points might be the normal size of a list and a wizard is 200 points so you know it's exactly 200 points plus whatever some extra wizardiness we'll call it half a wizard so it's 300 points worth of value yeah, and it's also the wizard keyword is the most expensive keyword in the game. And so giving you a free wizard keyword sort of clearly flags to certain people, this has got a high sort of number value attached to it. Mm. And in the Discord, there have been a lot of people, and a lot of people's first sort of touch experience of the artifacts has been like, that thing is definitely OP. Because I can tell exactly how p it is and mm -hmm. it's got a lot of p so presumably it's quite op whereas some of these other things they're just weird they're just bizarre they do peculiar right. i i can't i can't evaluate them e easily on the surface mm. but this thing definitely looks valuable so i'm just gonna have to assume that that is less valuable because i can't figure out how to get utility out of it yeah and i think it's i think it's super interesting that in a lot of um like uh, army lists and game lists is movement powers will often be quite low priced because movement has no inherent utility in a game that is about killing the other guy. It doesn't. It doesn't. Well, there's no first order utility. Exactly. It doesn't. It doesn't have any clear, obvious. If my gun has extra strength, I know exactly how that shifts me towards killing you. Yeah. If my legs go faster or let me walk through walls, you know, I'm not really sure. And any sort of hardcore list builder will immediately go to all of the movement abilities, find all the movement abilities because those are the things that are going to have been underpriced because they've been priced for these these util elements that they, they they've priced in um the the piloting essentially um and i think you just to just to sort of poke at this you're in this definition you're exploring this sort of in absentia of any meta considerations like yeah i mean that's that's or are you like is this pure because when you say like the utility it offers to a sort of average player in an average game in an average situation like obviously this is just one vector and we've already talked about the meta considerations but it feels like this is perhaps another useful vector to attack it from and so we don't necessarily need to tangle these two up or it I might mean, be helpful to keep them separate i mean I, I i think it's super worth having in the back of your head and one of the things about thinking about the utility of things whilst army list writing is that high utility things are going to be the first meta of your game. 
the, the first meta that's going to develop is going to be largely dominated by people building lists full of high utility things um and then having reactions to that and you know trying to make sure that potentially sort of lower lower or less first order utility things have responses to the to the first order utility things i think so so to, so to put that back in the terms we were just talking about like if there's a strong shooting buff mm. like your hypothesis is players on mass will naturally gravitate towards that like strong shooting buff and then later they will discover that there's the like the second order like the sort of toughness buffing thing or the movement accelerating thing actually turns out to be a really good answer to that but because it's less obvious people will gravitate towards the more obvious thing first and that might be a consideration both in terms of how you're pricing them but also a consideration in that like you know shaping shaping the meta that you imagine unfolding over the first year yeah i i think whenever you're doing list building i think it's it's intelligent to consider where the meta might be going and what will be the first set of responses and the second set of responses and i do think it's it's super it's super interesting that like in the hobgoblin discord there have been people you know most people's first response has been staff of ruin is overpowered and then as people have sort of gone on you know and tried out some of the other artifacts and tried out some of the options people are coming back with oh my god this thing won the entire game this mm. thing definitively won the game this one item and almost nobody is coming back and saying the staff of ruin definitively won a game um because i think frankly the staff of ruin is essentially incapable of definitive yeah it, it, yeah it, it offers it offers a replicatable utility that you could get just by paying points for it yeah. whereas all of the others broadly speaking offer some new game breaking thing and like that to a degree is, is one argument for just removing the staff of ruin and go well if it's not do it if it's kind of boring and the obvious first pick and it's not doing anything that breaks the rules maybe it should go but then there's this alternative uh potential answer which is well it's a nice honeypot that gets people's minds going where they're like well there's something must be wrong here because this item is so obviously the oh wait a minute maybe it's not obviously the best yeah and and this this is one of the things where i've sort of gone back and forth on the staff of ruin um in hobgoblin where it's been like should we get rid of it because it, it's kind of obvious and it doesn't sort of do anything like weird and exciting but and frank, time, frankly and frankly it, it's like that because it's it's almost the oldest piece of rules text still remaining in the game like it 1200 versions of the game before there were only three generals and one of them was the the wizardy general and mm -hmm. this is the rules for him and they're still in the game yeah whereas in, in a weird way it's almost like well no it's it's kind of handy that we know where people's first stop is going to be it's mm. kind of it's kind of useful that it feels like most people the it, first it's time... also it's also quite nice to have something that drags people towards one of the core systems mm. but like the magic system is in I think an obvious one to skip in your first game, and I, I think I'd probably recommend skipping it in your first game of Hobgoblin because it's just like one level of complexity. But then this this little this little item goes, okay, so what are the rest of the rules? Oh, okay, let's lean into magic and we'll figure out why that's good and why I can get more magic easily and cheaply. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it, it's another, it's a thing that signposts back round to other parts of the game. So someone goes, well, I don't want to 
delve into magic yet but these artifacts it's just literally it's one thing that does one thing i'll have one of them they seem shiny and i'll read through the list oh that one re-triggers magic so maybe i'll play with this other artifact mm. and then i'll go and i'll take the triggering magic artifact on my second game and that will encourage me to play with magic and right and and the way that this artifact is structured it's sort of it's one of those uh training wheels um faction abilities where it just gives you some more of something that you were going to have anyway so you can make mistakes you can afford to make mistakes with your wizards because you've got more of them and you've got more um mercury tokens to power your spells so if you make some bad decisions in your first couple of games the staff of ruin is sort of your like learning the magic system training wheels and and also at the same time that it, it, it's sort of a it's a training option in a different way where it's like we love things that break the rules to a game, but then they break the rules to the game. And you've got right. to understand how the new rules work in order to get the best out of them. Whereas an item that goes, no, I do a little bit more of what you were previously doing is very soothing. It's like, oh, good. I don't need to figure out, right, what, why would it be advantageous? Right, right. So actually, this is, this, is super, so this is super interesting to like, just I'll just throw in a comparison from games that people might have played who are watching this channel. Uh, although actually people who watch this channel maybe don't play Warhammer 40,000. But if you do, for example, like it tends to be, and it's certainly true in 10th edition, that like Space Marines have a bunch of like army rules that basically say you get some re-rolls when you shoot things. You can re-roll the dice so the shooting is better. And then the demons are like, you can teleport and take things off and you have to measure like how far the realm of chaos has spread across. And all these things are happening and models are exploding. And it's like, um, if you pick up the game and you play demons first, like you've got to learn a lot of rule breaking rules. Whereas if you pick up the space marines, which are in the box, then it basically just says, yes, gun goes bang, bigger gun goes more bang. Hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think I, I think a really good game um, when you're playing it at a quite high level that's a great example of this sort of pricing system is like Malifaux, where it's like all the really good Malifaux players know that those rules that like let you activate another person immediately after or prior to a to a previous person or let you pull out movement shenanigans are so much more powerful than just the guy who's got a bigger hammer or a bigger gun. Because it's like, no, this is where I get to just do unacceptable bullcrap in the middle of the game. Yeah. Um yeah. So I I, I think I think it's sort of yeah, it's just I'm just trying to sort of frame in another way the idea of the ways in which you the things to consider when list writing and list building. There are weird esoteric witchcraft things about like pricing out certain abilities and, and certain items and certain ways of interacting with the game. Um and the more sort of the more tools we can have to try and define that for people, I think, is useful. And yeah, considering so one of the one of the things one of the things that I always learn, what like a key lesson I learned from Netrunner is a ability that triggers every turn reliably, even if it's weaker than a situational ability, is always the better choice. Like Netrunner's Netrunner's Fantasy Flight incarnation was beset with problems because one of the three 
um net runners in the core box was this green woman who had like you know everything you play gets a minus one discount and it was just brilliant forever and it would never not be brilliant and it crushed the design space for the sort of people trying to write all the lists for the for the subsequent stuff because like basically nothing could ever be as good as a one penny discount on literally every card that you're going to play for the entire game Mm -hmm. and so i think that that like pricing utility into the way that you're offering options like the the sort of negative space there is what utility is it like is it providing so much utility it's crushing out like design space for other people and also how often is it providing that utility so um if the utility is obvious and strong but it's only providing it once or twice a game versus something that just reliably or without skill or piloting skill just keeps firing yeah, and I think one a good sort of um, quick metaphor for that idea is like orcs and goblins in GW's various properties will are never a sort of top tier list because it's always random whether their thing comes off. It's like mm. that's the whole selling point of them, and so no hardcore player will like go near it because it's just because it might just not happen it literally might never happen i you know i want the guy who's going to turn it in reliably i want to be able to and this is you know apparently one of the things that killed um guild ball was the fact that there were abilities that were super reliable versus things that had risk and the tournament players you know the, the hardcore players just went in and went no we're just clockworking this son of a bitch and just went for all of the reliable things and then it just killed the design space for the designers. So like, we've got nowhere we can go now because the reliability of the things we put in just destroys all of the, the design space. So there's no point us bothering to like write these extra teams. We right, have. and it's almost like at that point you you almost can't price that correctly. Like mm. it doesn't. It sort of doesn't matter what price you put it at. It's always too attractive. Yeah, like, and maybe the inverse of that is like something like. Um, Blood Bowl, which has so much randomness and risk placed in the center of the system that like, and then no faction has really been created that that mitigates all of the tripping over and fumbling hazards that you you can't you can't really at any level of that game you can't really mitigate all the risk. You're always you know you're always risking popping ones. And I think and I think it's significant like that you know as. as- as many as you know as often as we like to as people like to run down the gw sort of um design arm at the moment the fact that almost every every part of every one of their systems stuff has randomness built into it has allowed the design space of all of their games to stay very open for the random bit big enough for what they need to support in terms of that model range and just yeah, and to, and to allow the hired gun of the week to walk in and write an army list and go look. So so long as it always defaults to something random, it's always going to leave the design space open for the next force and the next army to sort of do that, but with a reroll. You know, the the, the amount right. of are like yeah. that, but with a reroll, insane. Because that's, well, a- that's so like you know, to, like hot, hot off the press, like the meta the meta in forty k tenth edition right now is really problematic because elder are really strong and one of the things that is that that makes them so strong is that they have this big gun they have this big model that has a big gun and the big gun gets the like magic ignoring save throws without any randomness so basically you can just predictably pump out a set of 
And so it's like exactly to what you're saying, like somebody accidentally forgot this rule or wasn't told it. And like, because it isn't D3 random attack, but saw it's like on a two plus, it does a special like magic wound or whatever, because it's, because it's fixed, because it's predictable, like every, like, there was a big 320 person tournament recently uh, over last weekend and like one, two and three were elder because consistency is king. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When, when, when list writing, consider the utility of the things that you're putting into the lists, you know, the, they are the things that need to be sort of priced up a bit and remember that reliability is the king of utility. Nothing is more useful than something that happened Things that didn't happen and never have high <laughs> utility to them. So as long yeah. as you sling in some random, you can price things like a complete lunatic. But as soon as you like nail it down that this will happen, that thing you need to price the crap out of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those rules aside, and uh, hopefully some of those ideas have been useful. When you've looked through army lists and and you know squad lists and whatever it is. Which item have you spotted that that was horribly priced for the utility it had? Was it because of the reliability? Was it because it sort of short circuited the game down to sort of the one thing that you could do and always do and and let you min max the game out? Um, and when have you seen uh, an army list that beautifully managed to balance out that utility so that high piloting skill items were were priced beautifully? low uh, and and sort of more obvious things were a bit more expensive and and how are you managing to to price out utility within your own games tell us these things and more in the comments section please do um while you're there tap on some buttons the like one and the subscribe one would be for the best but, but it really, it really doesn't matter there. youtube doesn't care just press just mash them yeah, just press 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 things and press things until something happens. Uh, swing over the Discord and have a chat to us there about uh, list building techniques and wizardry. Uh, but for now, from this episode of Rule of Carnage, it'll be a thank you and goodbye. So, thank you and goodbye. Don't forget to define your terms. Goodbye.